You're listening to The Unstoppables, where each week we show you how to overcome obstacles and transform the sting of failure into the reward of growth. And now, here's your host, best-selling author, keynote speaker, and CEO, Bill Woodich. Unrelenting, unapologetic, sometimes a bit unnerving, sometimes a bit unhinged, but always unstoppable. This is Bill Woodich. This is going to be a blast-off show with Nir Bershan. I spent 20 minutes talking to him in the green room, and I could have spent another four hours and still be not quite sated. Nir, hey, welcome to The Unstoppables, my friend. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. You are a creativity expert, and in talking with you, you live every sense of that word. I want to give you the floor in this 30,000-foot drop to 10. How did you start? Tell me a little bit about Nier. Give the audience a little bit of acquaintance, and then we'll just jump right into the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah, cool. So I started very, very young. I was nine years old, and I was washing cars in LA, going door-to-door knocking it's just back when a nine-year-old can do that. You remember that? Like yeah, it, it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, not now. Yeah. And so uh, early 80s. Anyway, so I went door to door um, and, you know, people would say generally, no, I'm not going to give my car keys to you because they had, you know, their brand new Pontiac 6000, 1983, okay. baby. That That's thing cool. shined like you wouldn't believe. And so they were like, no, I'm not giving you my car keys and, so I, uh, you know, after doing this for a couple of months and, you know, not having enough money to do things that a nine-year-old wants to do, which is what, like buy baseball cards and, you know, go to Carl's Jr. Hardee's on the East Coast. I was just, you know, I had to come up with an idea and I got creative. And that was the first time I've ever been creative to solve a business problem, right? Because I wanted money and nobody was letting me wash the car. So we started to knock on doors and say, hey, we're gonna wash your car. People said no. And then right after that, we were like, hey, uh, we can sweep your front porch or clean out your trash can. And I think trash cans in Los Angeles are some of the dirtiest on earth. You know how New York City has their rats? LA has their trash cans. And so I'm talking, it's stuff that nobody wants to hear right now, right? We don't want, we want people engaged, not, not to shut the show down. No, you, you know what I heard about rats? I heard that Chicago has a big, a bigger rat population than New York now. And which no. overcounted the rats. I, yes, I heard it. Has to be no. true. Heard it on Fox. Has to be true, right? So, so <laughs> I tell you, yes. And they brought a, a, a rat killing expert. Don't want to digress from there, but I, I understand. I want to say one more thing about Carl's Jr. because now you're bringing up my past. I moved here in what, 1986. First place I ate was Carl Jr.'s, right? Carl's Jr. And I, I had dinner with him at, you know, 15 years later. And I said, Carl, this is the first place I ever ate was at your restaurant. I was beaming. Yeah. I said, then I learned how to eat. And he took away, <laughs> he took away his business card. Never got his account. <laughs> so anyway, back to the rats and the garbage cans. And you probably had big hair in the 80s and the cars. Were ah, totally. Of course. Right. The, the, the earring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Def Leppard. <laughs> yeah. White snake. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going in, Carl, dude, the famous star is such a good burger. I mean, come on. Are you not yeah. a fast food guy? No. You know are what you I was, like? You know what I would say to Kelsey, do I look like I eat fast food? Yes, I do eat Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A I like. Chick-fil-A is uh, delicious. Yeah, there you go. 
five star. Um, in and outs overrated. Five guys I like. What about a uh, Whataburger? Are you a Texas Whataburger fan? I haven't had it. Whataburger's good. I'm yeah, going, like, well, I'm talking in Dallas next week, so maybe I should drop by a Whataburger. You should. The could Whataburgers, a, it's could delicious. Do a California lettuce wrap with that or what? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, so you know, any, anyway, I I decided to get creative and solve problems in a different way. That's when it started. And, you know, we, we, we did a bunch of jobs for people that wasn't related to the initial job. And then later in life, I started running advertising agencies and having my own companies. And I discovered that no matter how good the master services statement is, where we made some lawyer rich, I mean, because let's be honest, right? Mm -hmm. And no matter how good that statement of work was, um, we ended up doing work that it's completely off the statement of work completely off. Why? Because a client needed a job and you needed to do it. And so I learned that at a very young age. And I started to put some patterns together of various jobs that I've had and realized that the most successful people that are in my circle are creative. And then later in life, when I started meeting people outside of my circle, brilliant people like you, I started to go, wait, these people have something in common too holy crap, it's that they are creative too. And so over so many years, Bill, I started to take notes and write stuff down and sort of come up with these formulas of success that center around creativity. And that's what the creator mindset is all about, the book that I publish. Let me be a reductionist. Let, let me bring you back and let me, everything in life, the meaning and uh, our direction is found in, in the definition of the terms. Tell me what creativity means to you? Great question. Creativity to me is the ability to solve problems in a way that analytics cannot. And we're in love with analytics as a culture, as a society. And, and you know, you're a McGraw-Hill author as well. I published the book and I put a bunch of stuff in there that would like everybody in the world, I like sentences like this, everyone in the world is analytically focused and that got redlined and i got the you know the emails back like absolutely not you need to attribute this right. you need three sources so then you know i hired a, an old friend of mine who's uh, an archivist he's a librarian you know masters yeah. the whole thing <clears throat> and i said dude i need i need help with this can you find three sources he's like yeah yeah sure where did you get that from i'm like right here i i just made it up and he's like are you kidding? I'm like, no, but doesn't it feel that way? He's like, holy crap, this is going to be. And so I ended up working with him for almost two years, Bill, to find this stuff. But but it's true. And we found Africa, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, um, Southeast Asia, um, you know, and, and right. we, we attributed it properly. But societies are moving away from creative solving problems. Uh, into analytics and, and defining things only by their numerical value. As a society, as a culture on earth, we're moving away from our innate creativity and we're moving into math and numbers. I'm going to go with innate, but I, I first want to share my experience as well. I, I, yeah. love, I love my experience with McGraw-Hill. And it was a, it was a, a red underline. It was a lot of remarks and a lot of change. Don't use those all-inclusive terms like everybody. You know, right. I know. I, I feel it. It's almost <laughs> like the metaphorical ruler was against my wrist when I was a kid. Oh, I used to, like, no doubt. But it was, but man, what a work in it, the process the, and the progress we made by keeping me in the lines, because you got to keep me in the lines, it turned out to be a bestseller. So it, it was worth the, the squeeze. What you say, Kels? Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Um, 
let me go to innate. And I want to talk to more about creativity. In my first book, I talk about find a way, make a way. In my experience in business in life, right? When you're up against the wall, you got to find a way or make a way to make things happen, right? You do. Or you perish. Going back to something we're going to touch on, adaptation, Darwinian nature of life, moving forward by adaptation and how you have to change. Tell me a little bit about innovation. And this is a question I don't have the answer to. As most questions, <laughs> you think they're all questions according to Plato. Do you think that that this creativity is a I hate to use the word mindset for lack of it's overused term something we're born with, or do you think that out of necessity that ingenuity has to come because we need it? Where do you think it comes from, or is it both? So the one thing that McGraw let slip in the book is the story that I'm about to tell you, which we could not attribute it started 60,000 years ago in a cave somewhere in the Middle East where the world's first creative person had the world's first creative idea. It was Harriet, the cave woman, and she was running away from a beast that was far stronger than us, Bill, and, you know, bigger and like the fangs and like, argh! you know, everyone, it's 60. I, I know people don't like to talk about history, right, for some reason, and I hate it, oh, I right? But uh, you do? You're into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to. Everything has a root. Everything has a foundation for a reason for being. And so Harriet was running away from this beast. Everybody died at like 22. You were like a grandma or a grandpa at 22, right? Back then, life expectancy, 15, if you're lucky. Anyway, so she was running from this beast. And she gets in her cave and it's a dark and stormy night, right? Of course. So it's raining. There's mud everywhere. She's dead. And minutes, yeah, seconds from imminent death. Harriet notices there's a stick in the corner that was nothing but a walking stick, right? And she notices kind of an arrowhead or a, like a berry picker that was nothing but a berry picker. And she had the world's first creative idea. So she took the berry picker, it's like a, you know, kind of a steel piece or a rock, a sharp rock, put it on the edge, uh, on the end of the, of the stick and made the world's first spear. And she used it to fight off the beast and creativity saved her life. Now, that same creativity, she ran into the village, shared it with everybody. All of a sudden, the life expectancy on earth went from 15 to 16 or 16 and a half, you know, or, or something. I don't know. But creativity is so far an innate quality of who we are and how we have come to be. Um, that it literally is the reason that we've survived this long. We've survived this long on earth because of our ability to solve problems that analytics cannot alone provide. Now, I'm not saying to get rid of analytics. I'm saying that we need something else. I work with a lot of businesses, as so you do, who have had the big four consultancies come in, right? Mm -hmm. And who have efficient, who have gotten efficiencies to 0.001% better. Near, look, that's, $10 million on the bottom line and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, cool. But these businesses always stagnate. They always stagnate. And it's because unless you combine creativity with the analytics, you're, you're destined to just have more and more analytical solutions to problems that analytics can't solve by themselves. So Harriet was able to do this. She was the first creative person and creativity is who we are. I'll give you an example. My son is four years old. He gets stuff from Amazon, right? We, we buy him a toy. He literally gets the box and he's like, oh, cool. I got a toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he opens the box and he takes the toy 
and then he puts it down on the floor next to the box and he played with the box for four hours. Right. So what the hell happened to us, Bill? Like I look at the box. I'm like, shit, the recyclables come on Tuesday. I gotta break it down and wait, I have to separate the paper because the paper is no longer recyclable. Right. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm supposed to be the creativity expert. And here I am like, Oh man. And then he's playing with the box for four hours, right? Because it's a castle and then an airplane and then all of these wonderful, amazing things that give us our humanity and we've lost it. And it's pretty sad. You you know, analytics are an arrow in the quiver of resources we need to move forward in life. And what you're saying, I want to really underscore because it is that sharing the adaptation and our ability to adapt and share with others and collaborate that really got us beyond 15, 20 years old in the prehistoric days to the, to, to the place where we are today. And, and uh, I really want to talk about the limits of expression because part of creativity and ingenuity comes with a freedom to create and a freedom to be free of the fear, the tentacles of ostracism. You know, those things that when we were ostracized in the days in the pre- of Harriet, we were gone. Because if we didn't band together, the saber-toothed tiger definitely killed us or a warring tribe. So we had to stay together. So tell me what you would say to the young creative about the limits of expression if they feel those pangs of fear, those tentacles of you can't because you are, you're going to be made fun of and you're going to feel shame. So I talk in the book about how fear is one of the most toxic Uh, and self-doubt is one of the most toxic expressions of humanity. It is far more powerful than, you know, when you think of powerful things, right? You think of like an atomic bomb or like, you know, something like that. It is tenfold, a millionfold more powerful than anything like that. It is the ability that we have deep within us to edit ideas and to doubt what we're doing and to, you know, say, oh, that's not good enough. What if someone makes fun of me? And what if, what if, what if? And what we have, Bill, is a world that is completely gone away from where we need to be. So I feel like we could have easily have cured cancer by now. I feel like we could have landed a woman on Mars. I feel like we could have cleaned up the earth. There is amazing innovations within companies, within individual startups, within entrepreneurial uh, ventures, but people self-edit and who, who suffers? You suffer. I suffer. You know, everybody suffers out of this thing because it sucks, right? We could have a better world, but what we're having is, is a world where we don't encourage creativity. We encourage analytics and people are too scared to take a, a, a leap of faith on an idea. I'll give you an example. In the book, I write about um, a guy named uh, Dr. Ken Alexander who is a head of infectious disease for a a famous hospital. And he does roughly half of his day in the lab, half of the day with patients. And in the lab, he, or on a patient call, he saw, you know, some kid that had Zika, right? You remember the mosquito that, so some kid had Zika and he looked at it and, you know, treated, treated uh, the, the issue as best he could and was thinking about it nonstop, right? And over wine one night or however it was, you know, he was talking to his colleagues and like, you know, the proteins look exactly like this certain cancer. What if we were to, what if one was to neutralize the other? And, you know, all of these wonderful talks that you and I have had and that your listeners have had with our friends and colleagues many, many, many times where we have a batshit crazy idea and we're like, that is crazy, but it just might work. 
And so he, like most people, shoved it down, just shoved it down and said, you know what? I'm not going to take a leap of faith on this. What, what are people going to think? My reputation. I'm a worldwide speaker. I speak in conferences on immunology and, you know, I'm on the COVID task force and, you know, all these things. Schooling. I mean, dude, right? How many how many years of school do doctor? I mean, how much debt do they have once they're so he, he who's gonna take a leap of faith on creativity? Very few people. But then it kept gnawing at him, gnawing and gnawing, and these ideas and this wonderful innate expression that Harriet gave us all. It it comes to the surface, man. It comes to the surface. And so instead of just shoving it down, he said, I'm gonna try something. So he got three other like super, you know, well-esteemed, like A-list, you know, like uh, A-list stars in, in uh, immunology and, and, and in this field. And he, and he kind of shared the idea and he said, can we just please do like a little trial? And they did. They're in stage two or stage three trials now. And Zika is neutralizing a certain childhood cancer that has 0% uh, of, of kids that live through it. It kills every kid that gets it. And so they're uh, moving into human trials pretty soon where God's willing, God's willing, this thing ends up neutralizing or curing this particular kind of cancer. And all of this stuff comes from creativity and ideas that need to get out into the world. So when you ask, hey, how powerful is you know, fear, it is incredibly powerful. But what we need to do, and part of my life's work right now, Bill, is getting on shows like yours and talking with different people and writing articles and books to awaken that creative spirit so that the trash collector that has that batshit crazy idea can realize it. The scientists, the, you know, people working in business and enterprise can come up with ideas that will literally save humanity. And that's what creativity is all about for me. You know, if I, when you're, when I'm feeling the, the pangs of regret, when you talk about keeping all the notes I've had over bottles of wine or beers, all those napkins, all those papers of the greatest ideas of what if that were never followed up by action. What if is probably the greatest question you can ask, but it's only a fantasy if you, and it, it sounds good unless you take action behind it. And we're mostly stymied by fear. Is that it story in your book? The story's in the book, yes. Chapter 14, 15, or 16, something like that. Can you hold up your book again? Because I want to ask a question on the book. And I think you get right to it with it. Okay, where can we find your book? Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's in every Barnes & Noble in the country. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's uh, on indie. Uh, all the indie uh, bookstores have it. The creator mindset. Let me tell you one of the most compelling reasons, besides the author, who has a tremendous amount of passion and depth, and, and you sound like you are purpose on fire. But- but I want to say this about what I really, really started to laugh about, because it sounds like my irreverence. You talked about just about every book on creativity is bullshit. Those are your words, not mine, is bullshit. They're all full of that perfect hermetically sealed theory. But man, ain't no practical lessons and ways in there. So literally, you want to expand on that one? Yeah. So listen, here's the thing, right? So I'm an entrepreneur. I've run many, many businesses and I have a pretty successful small business of my own now. Really what it is all about is the how. I think we've gone too far on the whys, right? And why is fine, but the why won't pay the bills. It just won't you need to learn how to become creative. And so 
getting practical tools that you can use every day is way more important than getting the why. I read every single book in my sector, and I'm sure you did too before you put it out. And almost every single book is about why you should be creative. Then you read it and you're at the end, you're like, jazz, you're in. You're like, okay, cool. Yes, this is great. I need this. And then you're like, well, how do I do it now? Right? So, uh, so I worked with Cheryl um, Segura at uh, McGraw-Hill. She's like the best editor ever. I would love to do another book with her at, at some point. But really, she was all about, yes, I agree. I've read all the stuff on the market. Let's do a how-to book. And so it's a how-to book. And I hear from people all over the world going, Hey, you know, I've dog marked, uh, dog eared all the pages. I have a lot of notes. Hey, can you help me with this chapter? Or, you know, I tried this at work and it didn't work. Like, what can I do better? And it, it's just a, a manual. And the way people are using it right now in the market is like, I'm, I just need this particular thing, turn to that chapter and get it done. It's five pages for the chapter. I mean, literally easy read. Um, you can read the whole thing in under five hours and it's about getting practical concrete advice. I looked at the marketplace, I found a gap and I took it. There you go. She kept me on track as well. I love Cheryl. She was great with us and she kept bringing me back to the how. Yeah. There's, there's so many books on inspiration of go out and do it. It's the Nike swoosh thing, but how, how, and you've got to give it, you've, you've got to give practical takeaways that people can actually apply right now and do it. Let me ask you about inspiration because you're going to get, read a book on why, like you said, and why I want to go out and do something. Does creativity rely on inspiration? Absolutely not. It relies on perspiration. It's a really good question. It relies on you doing it every day. There is no magic here. I mean, there's no like, oh, I got an idea while walking the dog and it's the best idea. So what ends up happening to most people when they're entrepreneurial or business leaders, I do a lot of work with C-suite uh, leaders and you know, they tell me near I'm not creative. I say, okay, I give them the Harriet story or some other story and they go, okay, cool. Uh, fine. All right. Uh, yeah. I was creative as a kid, but I lost it. I say, okay, this is what you need to do to regain it. And then inevitably they say, well, you know, um, so, okay, fine. I walk the dog every Tuesday. That's my day. And, and once in a while I get an idea. So what I do is I get that idea and then I love it. I like hold it close I pet it from time to time. I, I like hide it so that nobody right. will see my yeah, idea. Hide it. They, hide they it. Don't, yeah. Yeah. The and, light and I brings, protect it. Yeah. The light brings critique. You don't need critique right now. You just need to keep playing. Totally. I, I, I need uh, my lawyer to, 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 it's like, dude, really, really? I mean, it's just in your head. They're like, no, this is the next million dollars. Oh, this is our next product near. Yeah. This is our next. I said, okay, cool guys. All right, fine. You have an idea. Great. And what do you do with it? They're like, well, I protect it. And I don't talk about it. And all these things that you really shouldn't do. And I say, okay, um, fine. Why do you do that? And they're like, because I don't get a lot of ideas. Lightning only strikes so often. I said, okay, what if I were to tell you that there's a repeatable and you know, uh, refreshable method that you can use to generate creativity whenever you want? What if right. I were to tell you that? And they go, well, how? How do you make lightning strike? I'm like, it's like anything else. How do you get fit? You get on a damn bike, you ride around a little bit, you know, you run on a treadmill. You don't, you don't get fit by like, you know, the why of it. Right. Oh, I would love to get fit. 
Fantastic. You and everyone else. It's people who actually do the work. How did you get your C-suite job? How did you run this company? How did you get to, you know, and they're like, well, I worked my ass off. I'm like, yeah, good. So you got to do it on creativity too. You've worked your ass off on the analytics, which is what business school teaches you. But you have to now develop a different set of muscles that have just atrophied after so long. They've just turned into mush. So you need to learn how to develop this new muscle. They're like, fine, how do I do it? So I go through a concept idea and execution, and it's three sort of breakdown ways of looking at anything, your, your, your career or your business. And it allows you to generate creativity whenever you want. You grab a pen and a paper, you don't do it in your head. There's a lot of science that shows writing stuff down helps generate creativity. And you do it. You practically practice creativity. You write down the concept, the idea, and the execution. The concept is the biggest way to look at something. The idea is the medium ground. The execution is where we mostly spend our lives working, you know, in the business instead of on it, right? Yeah. Uh, I have to get uh, a PO, you know, filled, yeah. or I have to get, it's like, dude, no, it's not about the PO. Let's start thinking higher and bigger. And so once you are able to use the concept, idea, and execution, of your particular business or career or where you want to go or whatever, then you write down a roadmap that generates creativity. Yes. And it's something you could do by yourself with your, you know, your C-suite team with your upper management, whomever, you know, and it's a, a system that generates creativity over and over. So you don't have to worry about protecting that little idea and loving it and petting it and not sharing it. Oh no, nobody can see this idea because once you have a repeatable method of creativity, you can just create more and more and more and more ideas. And you don't have to hold, you know, dearly to that one idea that you get once a month, once a year. System, process, awareness, discipline. It's like the, we mentioned the metaphor about, about wanting to be in shape. The thing I tell people is just show up. Take the first step into the gym or the first step on the treadmill, the first step on the track. Just show up. I mean, show that's, up. That's 90% of it. Just show up. It's not even scary. Let's, let, let's talk statistics. We both love them because we, you know, depends on one out of seven dentists and there are only 10 in the study. Uh, you know, it's, just, it's like the fish oil study. Okay, 13,000 fishermen uh, start taking fish oil pills. It, you wrote about a psychology today study that found that 80% of our thoughts are what? Negative. <laughs> negative so it, it's <laughs> yeah yeah it's amazing uh and i thought it was an english language thing right i thought oh yeah because you know it's so that's like smoking in health in terms of creativity right right yeah <laughs> it's not good for you right no it's not it's good for creativity. you <laughs> no yeah it's not so um so yeah, and, and actually we, so I expanded this thing and, and found out that it's every, uh, every language on earth has more negative ways, not quite 80%, but had more negative words than positive words, right? Bad, crappy, terrible. Yeah, I can think of like a bunch of ways to describe something bad and how many words do we have for good? Good, wonderful. Right. I don't know, fantastic. Okay, cool. That was, that's it. So I, I think what oh, you overlooked the biggest one, the most overused word in the history of words. Awesome. Awesome. It means absolutely the most vapid word there is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so a, that's a rope pull, right? You don't have to yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. That's awesome.
Um, so awesome is awesome. So you have, you know, so what ends up happening is creativity requires positivity and a real outlook on life that is, is hopeful. Why creativity sees what can be, not what is. And so when we think creatively, we think in a problem solving mode, but when we think negatively, we can't solve shit. So what ends up happening is most people, and you, you can probably uh, uh, back this thing up, when a, a business problem comes up, right? Some, I don't know, cash flow. I, I don't know what the problem is. You know, inventory, um, you know, a bad vendor, <laughs> a bad vendor, right? They were supposed to fulfill a certain order and or service and it didn't come in or it came in under expectation. Now we have to use the part, oh, I don't know, maybe it's microchips for car manufacturing. I was just on a, uh, a really popular dealer, uh, car dealer uh, podcast and they were like, we're in like deep dookie right now because of all the shortages. And so, you know, whatever the problem is, most people start to look at that in a negative way. They're like, crap, I should have never fired these guys. Right. And that does nothing to solve the problem. Absolutely nothing. The problem's already there. Right. And how you look at it and how you address the problem is the very start of the solution. And if you look at the problem and say, this is, is bad or it's negative, which is what 80% of our language lends us to do, then we don't have a way to solve it. But if we look at it with positivity and we look at it with, okay, you know, how do we make lemonade out of uh, these lemons that have just occurred, then we allow ourselves the permission to dream, to create, to fly. And when we do that, we are able to solve problems unlike anybody ever. And that problem solving ability is what Harriet gave us. It's our innate ability. It's in our DNA. So the way that you use creativity is not going to be the same way that I use it. It's based on, you know, who you are as a human being and how you came up, uh, nurture and nature. It's based on those two things, which make every human being on earth different. So that's why creativity is so powerful because it allows you to solve problems in a positive way. And it, it requires a construct of positivity in order to build upon. And I think that creativity on steroids is called opportunity. So what I do is I'm always looking for every problem as a solution for opportunity. I always right. try to find a way, no matter how shitty the news is, how bad this thing is, or how horrible, I'm looking for what opportunity, what silver lining can I pull from this and really use it? And I'm surrounded by people who are no people by design. Isn't I'm, amazing? A yes, I'm a yes possible person. And they'll tell me the worst case. Okay, I have my worst case. Now, how do I make upside here? What can I do? How do we solve this? It's uh, like your market advantage. Big time. And I'm, you know, I think it's in my DNA. I was, I came out that way. I always look for the, okay, let's just go through it. Let's do these things. Find a way, make a way. Creativity comes to me. Uh, I want to say in the shower at night, it comes to me every step of the way in the gym, no matter where I am, I'm thinking of these things. So I'm trying to capture those thoughts and then bring them to reality. I want to ask you this question. This is going to be great because you are a tremendous, tr tremendous host. And this is going to be one of my most, I think, interesting questions I ask you because I want to hear this answer. How does, how does a creativity coach, someone as positive as you, how does near define success? Your terms, not cut and paste, not from a thousand books. Yeah, well, that's a hard one. I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel honestly, it, and it's a, it's a good question. It's deep. We're going deep here. I'm a deep guy. Um, you're a deep guy. I, I just look superficial with my, my George Hamilton tan, but it's fake. So go ahead. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, 
I, you know, for me, success is about using creativity to advance the human condition. Listen, you know, Stanley Kubrick did a movie called 2001, right? What in the, they, they shot that in the late sixties or whatever. They thought that by now, well, 20 years ago now, right. they thought that by 20 years ago, you know, we would be space age and we would have all these wonderful things and, you know, yeah, Hal, which is not a wonderful thing, but you know, right. they, 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 they thought the complexity of society and the, you know, elevation of humanity would be at such a level that, you know, we'd be on our way to Jupiter and have all these space age things. And look what we have today, dude, my toaster burns my toast half the time. It's like, there is a guy That's an working operator at- error. That's, That's yeah, mainly, mainly, mainly on that. There's a guy who works at the toaster factory or whatever, who invented something that would help not burn it. Right. But like, we're not implementing it. Cause he's like, ah, eh, my idea is not good enough. I, you know, yeah, that is user error, but you know, our cars are, our tools, you know, you think your iPhone is cool. It could be like 10, a hundred times more powerful in all of this stuff. Why? It's because somebody somewhere has an idea and they squash it down and they hide it. And you wonder why people are so unhappy at work. You wonder why, you know, you have all these problems with substance abuse and all this stuff. We are not in touch with who we are as children, our creative sort of selves. And for me, success is really all about an individual getting in touch with the innate creativity that we were all born with, that God gifted every single man, woman, and child on earth with, and getting in touch with that will make society, will make your life, will make your relationships uh, better. Man, it's like the walk-off, but we've still got a few more innings yet. So that, that was great. Okay, the other side, the inverse, the dirty stuff. Top of the seventh? Yeah, you top of the seventh. Let's talk about failure. What was your biggest failure and what did uh, you learn from it? How many more hours do we have? So you got more than one days, <laughs> weeks. Oh man, I've got, I, 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 I screwed up. So I'm not, I, I think they're natural learners on earth. People who can like read my book or your book, right. And go out and execute it perfectly. Yeah. I wish I was one of those people, right. So I've gotten things wrong so many times. I had a production company in Hollywood where we put out a movie and it did pretty well. It got, you know, distribution and sold the universal and all this stuff. And my staff was like, Hey, you know, time for the next thing. I was like, no, 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 let's ride this thing out. Yeah. You know, let's focus on our core product, right? Which is stupid, but that's exactly what I did. And they had a bunch of ideas. Let's do a cooking show. Let's do pop-up, you know, things with people in public. Let's do amazing ideas. And I, I was like, no, my idea is the best. And I know exactly what to do and all of this stuff. And so what ended up happening was, you know, it, the business did well for a while and then it just crashed because it wasn't being supported by new initiatives and new, fresh, different uh, products and, and services and offers and, you know, coupons and mailing lists and all that stuff. I never did any of that work and I regret it. I regret I regret very much, you know, uh, I, I just hate, you know, when a, when when you get to a point where you have staff and they believe in you, they believe in what you're doing, right? And then, you know, they're like, yeah, cool. Let's go with that. Cause you're, you're the guy, you know, or the gal, or you're the, the person that's going to make this thing happen. And you let them down. That's the worst feeling ever. 
Um, and I think that was one of my biggest failures, just, you know, having to get, uh, having the, to let go of people that wanted to believe in what I was doing. But you know, what's interesting is, is until a number of years ago, people would tell us in CEO forums and, and, and top CEOs, stick with your core, stick with your core products, your core process, your core services. Don't go off on these tangents, especially me, because you're going to lose money. Don't write books. Keep building your core business. Don't do this. Don't speak. Keep building your core business. And, and that was really the voice and the echoes of America, of corporate America. And you know what that leads to? The first, one of the first words you talked about, stagnation. And when we get on another show, and we will, we'll talk about happiness, and we'll talk about the root causes of happiness, the when and if, and the whole thing about stagnation, and not and not doing those changes, iterations, and improvements. So I, we're going to jump on that one. Before we do that, before we do that, where can we find you? Give it to me again. I am very easy to find. There's three Nirvashans in the entire world, right? There's a guy in Israel well, uploading. I talked to all of them today, or you should. So, should. No, I mean, is, is this like, no, no, there's really like three of them. Of, it's like nine of me, but it's only one, one corporal form. Okay. But really there we go. I, I got you. Yeah. This is not a metaphorical. Uh, this is not a metaphysical sort of issue here. This is, there's a girl who's a closet designer in Israel and there's some kid who uploads call of duty clips. So I'm not either or. So it's really N I R B A S H A N. Uh, nearbashan.com we got a community on there where you, it's free no viagra ads you just sign up <laughs> with your linkedin and you can you know ask questions and we have a nice community on there from you know c level to students you know it's kind of fun um I'm, I'm really easy to find just google my name and i'd love to i'd love to hear from you guys as you know uh Frank Sinatra saying and now the end is near and i hate it because i want to stay uh i want to keep talking with you but I want to give you this one. And I want you to think about this for a second and just throw it to me, all right? If at the end of life, and by the way, I got to get this in. And, and when you were out doing a tough thing, like going door to door, trying to wash cars, I was doing the standard stock thing they do in, in small town America. I had a lemonade stand. Oh, wow. Cool. Sugar How old are you? Oh, man. Seven, eight, nine. Nice. Ten. I make enough money to go out and buy candy and rot my teeth out. But, you know, it was fun. That's um, <laughs> how I started. But, but it's just a funny standard stock American story. If you could write a paragraph for people to learn from, to, to shorten that distance between where they are and where they're determined, not just wishing to go, lessen the blood flow, what would you write for them? What would that paragraph? You're at the end of days. You're 160 years old, right? They've done all the things. People have actually followed that intuition. They have taken your advice. They have freaking take those napkins and they've implemented those ideas. You're 160. Now, what would you leave behind for people to read and say, okay, here's That's my... like a Moses type age, 106 years old. I think you have it in you. You look good. You're well, good. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to, my bet was going to be on you without the, the penchant for the fast food, man. Who doesn't like well, a know, burger and fries, dude? Well, and a Coke? You said that you said that, that, that Cheryl liked me, but see, my book's only this big and I got book envy because you're... <laughs> So my, she took my war and peace, which was this book, and, and said, now you would get your shit done. No, no it's not that much thicker. How, uh, how many pages are you? Let's see. It's a camera thing. How many pages? Who, I, who's who's got I, the thicker book? Can, can I count the glossary and the index? And all yeah, this? all the way. Index all the way to the end. Uh, with everything, I got like 187. Wow. I'm 206. Favored child, I knew it. I knew you the way. I knew <laughs> Mom always liked you better. So okay, give me, give, 
Yeah. She she is a mom now too. I know. I told her she'd be she'd be like um some people, you know, it's just it's amazing. Like they don't think they'll be good parents, but you see something in them that's like, dude, you should have kids, right? You know, have you have you noticed that? I have so many of them because I'm a mentor to just about everyone in this company with few exceptions, but there's just so many people that it's almost like a parenting thing, right? When you're mentoring in the right way, it's not, and it's not disabling, it's enabling. And yeah. it's just, it's an interesting thing. Uh, you and I would need a tape recorder to stay or that's old school, an iPhone uh, or Kelsey and Julian to keep taping this, taping's old. But what would you say about what's that last paragraph? Because you're gonna, my thought will go all over. I'd say taping too. And yeah, I get the looks. Taping, taping what? What's that. taping? What the F are you talking about? So what would your last paragraph look like? My last paragraph, I think, would be about, you know, really, um, you know, job well done. I mean, are, are we talking the world has all listened and no. everybody's happy? No, they have not. Well, okay, let's say that they did. Peace listen. on earth, bro. Are we, are we there? Let's say they didn't listen. All right. Right. So, I, you know, I would say something about probably... The last paragraph would be something about, you know, how important some of the most fundamental things in life are in following those things, you know, looking somebody, you know, in the eye and, you know, paying attention to somebody when they, when they talk and just the root fundamental things that we all gloss over, or we're so busy trying to get technical over just these root interaction things are so important in business and, and also in life. And those, those are the things that I'm really interested in. I'll tell you something. We are so aligned. What a, and every one of my talks, I talk about the human connection. And I talk about when I had those setbacks. I called them setbacks before I wrote a book and then called it failure. But when I had those setbacks and my first 13 losses in sales, right? And it was going off a, uh, a book or a manual or a, a, a script. A script, yeah, I remember I said, those. When I said, screw it, that people as people looked them in the eye, shook their hand and asked them where they were from and kept and made an interest about them, looked at their heart, not the wallet, started winning and winning and winning. What you talk about is the most essential and elemental, but most important thing. Look in the eye, handshake, be on point, posture, and the most important words in every engagement Please and thank you. Yep. Ba boom. Yep. You want to elevate yourself over the masses? That's it. Right there. It's that. That's simple. it. Yeah, that effing. It's a bridge too far for most people. The million dollar podcast. Just listen to the last, you know, yeah. couple minutes of this podcast. If everybody followed that, that wanted to do better in their career, they would get an instant promotion. It's amazing. Yeah. And you know what you did? And you did great in your book. You're saying most of the shit, you're calling the, your industry out. Most of this yeah. bullshit. And you're yeah. saying, look, you want to, and what you've given me is our million dollar ideas. You're yeah. giving a way to creativity, a way to success. People are chasing success. It starts with creativity. That's how we, how Harriet and the rest of us got off out of those caves. That's how we do it, man. And, and we need more of it. It's like, yeah, I just did a workshop for uh, one of the, uh, like a technology consultant. And you know what the workshop was, man? It was about how to present. They read my book. They love it. They're like, can you come in and talk about how to present? I'm like, I don't talk about that. They're like, well, you're creative and you, you do a really good job. That's what we need. I said, okay, cool. I'll do it. Right. Cause they paid me really well. So I showed up and I talked about the basic human connection of how to just, you know, and I've hired, I don't know. How, how many people have you hired over the years? Would you say oh, total? 
I couldn't even tell you. Six, seven hundred, a thousand. Oh yeah, it's about six, seven. Yeah, probably easily, easily, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm same with you, and I can tell you that the only qualifying factor that someone needs to get a raise or to do better to get a promotion is the fact that they show up, they say yes, thank you, please, and they ask for it. That's it. Uh, these two people in here, they do that. So they already know that. So you can't hit me for a raise yeah. based on what he- Hit him up. Hit that. him up immediately. Because, because you know what? And I'm going to tell you this just in closing real quick. We got to wrap this thing. But when I used to have meetings every Friday and I bring in the company and we do things now on Zoom and different things, I, I would I would give, you know, uh, on Friday, buy food from wherever. And it got to be pretty expensive. So yeah. Expensive as tell me about it. Tell me pizza, whatever. But And I would then do a test to see how many people thank me for it. About 30% consistently thanked me. And when I called out the company for it, 30% consistently thanked me. It's, in, it's incredible. That's the mind-blowing thing for me. I got Okay, I got to wrap with this. You were fantastic. Right. Now, this is The Unstoppables. I'm Bill Woodich. The Unstoppable guest today is truly unstoppable, underscore. He's awesome, quotation marks. He's near Bershawn. You can find him. There's three of them. Just deal with this one right here. So, Jillian, where can they find us? Apple, iHeart, Spotify, right, wherever. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you guys are great, man. Uh, until hey, I'd love to be back. So let's oh, keep this, keep the dialogue going. We'll be back. Until then, create. <laughs> Take care. Bye, y'all. Thank you. You've been listening to The Unstoppables. If you like today's episode, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Thursday. Please help spread the word of the show by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher. Those five-star reviews really help out the show. You can subscribe to The Unstoppables on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening. Always forward.